0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. (laughs) Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Numbers, chapter 11. I heard I heard someone say that numbers is the most boring book of the Bible. But I care to differ. I think Leviticus is way more boring. (laughs) Numbers 11. And uh, as you remain standing, I I just I want to kind of set up the scene here. Uh, The people of Israel, they're complaining, as they normally do, that all they have to eat is manna that is falling from heaven. Uh, they want some meat. Lord, give us some meat. Amen. I ain't gonna lie. If I was an Israelite, I'd probably be one of the biggest complainers. Lord, give me some meat. Um, they want more than what they've been given to sustain them to the point that they become ungrateful. And what really gets God angry, and rightfully so, Moses, is not the fact that, that they're asking for more. It's the fact that they wish they were back in Egypt. They would rather be slaves and eat good than free and eat carbs, right? And there's a whole sermon there, but, but these, these people are complaining and they're wishing that they were back in Egyptian captivity where at least they were eating well. And all this uh, upsets Moses uh, because he's in between of all of this. He's a mediator between God and his people. So let's go ahead and read, beginning with verse 13. If you're there, give me an amen. Amen. It says this, it says, and I want, I want your attention this morning. It says, where am I to get meat to get to all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. And I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. This is Moses talking to God. And if I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Then the Lord said to Moses. Gather from me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tent of meeting and and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it alone. So Moses uh, went out and told the people the words of the Lord and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. Now there were two men remained at the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad, and the spirit rested upon them. And they were among those registered, but they had not gone out of the tent, so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word that you've given your servant this morning, Lord. I pray, Father God, uh, that, that, that you would be on my lips, Holy Spirit, and that you would be on our hearts and our minds, that we would open our hearts and minds to receive this word, my God, for what you want to do this morning. It is not up to me, Father God. It is not up to any one of us, Lord. But we give you all control, Father God, the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can, you can take your seat. Amen. I saw... I saw that the worship team was singing that song, Rest on Us. Um, and so I went ahead and entitled and, and my sermon, Rest on Us. I got, I got kind of lazy. Couldn't think of a title. But I think, it's, I think it's appropriate. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Now, at a Pentecostal church, that doesn't really look very different than a regular Sunday. You know, every Sunday we're seeking the Holy Spirit's movement and activation Uh, in the lives of God's people. But I want to talk about the significance of what it means to be a spirit filled Christian. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Right. You cannot receive Christ without the Holy Spirit. People often mistakenly say things like, well, you know, the Baptists or the Methodists and the Lutherans and the Calvinists, they reject the Holy Spirit. No, they don't reject the Holy Spirit. If they rejected the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't be Christian. There is a difference on how they believe the Holy Spirit operates in the church today. To be a Pentecostal means that we believe that the Holy Spirit continues to move in the church the way that he moved in the first century church. That means that if the Holy Spirit empowered people prophetically in the first century church, the Holy Spirit is empowering people prophetically in the 21st century church. If the Holy Spirit supernaturally healed people in the first century church, he continues to do so in the 21st century church. That's what we believe as Pentecostals. Now, it is a gift, right? You can't just claim whatever gift you want and and pretend like you're this supernatural healer. The Bible says that, the Holy Spirit is the one who decides who to give what gift to. All right. But my point is, as Pentecostals, we believe that if the Holy Spirit was doing it then, he's doing it now. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the work of the Holy Spirit has continued in the 21st century church? This is, this is precisely the reason. Pentecostals are crazy. That's why. That's why we're always excited when we get into the house of God, into the presence of God and you got people singing and shouting and, and dancing and you got people who, who, who don't know how to sing, singing and you have people who don't know how to dance dancing. Like, like, like me and my wife, bro. We're, we're, I was just thinking right now, man, we're, we're dancing. I, I bet we think we look real good, man. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but That's what we do. We're We're, we're excited. Pentecostals are excited when they come to church, man. We're crazy when you come to church. Because when you know that the Holy Spirit can, you expect that he just might. That's why we're excited. And you know what? If the supernatural doesn't happen, it's all good. It could happen tomorrow. Pastor Damaris preached this last week. Even if we're still going to come with the expectation that he will... Because we know that he continues to do the same thing he was doing then. And when we know that the Holy Spirit rests upon his people, anything is possible. Anything. So that's my definition of Pentecostalism. Now let me give you a little bit of beef that I have with Pentecostal churches. I've spent, you know... I've spent most of my time as a pastor making sure we don't become this church. And I say it all the time, and I sound like a broken record. You know what I'm going to say? The Holy Spirit wasn't given to the church just so that the church could have church. He wasn't given for our entertainment. He wasn't given so that we could have all these compañas and rallies and revival, and the only people to attend are the church. The Holy Spirit was given... As the helper to the work that Jesus left to the apostles. The go out and make disciples type of work. The spread the gospel type of work. The feed the hungry, give to the poor, love the widow, the orphan, that type of work. Cast out the evil spirits and bring them to the feet of Jesus. That type of work. And it's that type of work that the church still exists for today. And on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 tells us that the Holy Spirit rested on each person who was waiting for him and tongues of fire came down upon them and they began to proclaim the mighty works of god in foreign languages so these these tongues that the the, the apostles were speaking they weren't just a heavenly language they were actual earthly languages that could be understood by the people around them who were foreigners the Bible says that everyone understood in their foreign language the mighty works of God that were being pro- proclaimed by the mouth of the apostles. So that would be the, whole, the, the equivalent of, 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 of the Holy Spirit bringing Russian to your lips or Mandarin to your lips so that someone of that language could understand the power of God. That was the power that the upper room disciples first experienced. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop. It kept going. It, they haven't ceased. We hear more and more about people who weren't apostles, who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was such a thing. Listen, I want you to get this. It was such a thing to be desired. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. I want some of that power. And, and, and the great part about it was that the Holy Spirit made Himself available to all who would receive Him. A lot of people think that to be spirit-filled means boring or legalistic or judgmental or religious, but a spirit-filled Christian is one who does the work of Christ with zeal and passion using whatever power the Holy Spirit has made available to that person. And one of the problems facing the church today, I think is twofold. We either don't think there's much work left to do, Or we fail to open up ourselves for all that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. Did you get it? We either don't see the work. Or we don't open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit to do the work. See, Moses was the anointed leader. He was chosen. He was a man of God. And he was tasked uh, with the work of leading Israel out of Egypt. And then he remained their leader through the wilderness, right? And all of this, all of this work, man, such a huge responsibility for a man who ran away from Egypt, who was told to go back to Egypt and take the people who rejected him out of Egypt. It was so much work for him to do. And it all fell upon him because he was anointed, he was chosen, and the spirit rested upon Moses. He had some help with Aaron, like administrative help. He had some help with with Miriam, his sister. Uh, Miriam is described as as kind of like a worship leader of sorts. So Moses had a little bit of help, but the weight of Israel fell upon Moses. It was Moses who had to hear about the complaining. It was Moses who had to figure some things out when he didn't know what to do. Moses was the only one who would go up to the mountain of God to talk to God. Moses was the only one who had that face-to-face relationship with Yahweh. Moses was was spiritually frustrated because the Holy Spirit's empowering fell mostly on Moses. And see, today, there are are people in the church who want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. How many of us want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? But not, not all of us are willing to do the work that comes with it. We're not always willing to take the responsibility that comes with being... A spirit-filled Christian, there is a responsibility that comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Elijah told Elijah, he said, I want a double portion of what you got. Give me what you got times two. I want to be able to do the miracles. I want the Spirit of God in me. I want to be a man of God just like you. And and, and, you know what he told him? He said, you think you want it. What you're asking for is difficult. You think you want it. It sounds good it sounds good, but it's such a great responsibility. I need you to be, I need you to expect being woken up in the middle of the night when someone calls you to pray for them because they don't know who else to call. I need you to get ready for some ugly stuff that you're going to engage with in spiritual warfare. I need you to be ready to be spiritually attacked. I need you to be ready to make some sacrifices because you have to constantly fan the flame of the gift that is in you. Be ready to spend some time on your knees, be ready to spend some time in the word. Be ready to be talked about and looked at and criticized because people don't like the way that you did something. Operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, it takes work. It takes hard work. Because it's God's work. There was a time where I didn't want the responsibility that came with being a pastor. Because being a pastor, it takes... Certain responsibilities. If a pastor can't be spiritually fed during the week with the word, what will he give to the church? God, I don't want that. I want to read the Bible sometimes. I want to pray sometimes when I need something. You want me to remember all these people's names and pray for them? And sometimes I'm I'm texting Heather or Larry, hey, what's what's so-and-so's names, right? You want me to see, you want me to be anointed? It takes takes work, it takes work. And all of this is coming down on Moses because Moses is the anointed leader of this people. The spirit of God rests upon Moses and he's frustrated. You can be spirit-filled and frustrated at the same time. Come on. Moses was feeling tired, he was feeling angry, he was feeling unappreciative. And 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 he feels like kind of like Elijah felt that one time when he was telling God, God, just take my life. I don't want this anymore. I'm done with all of this. I've I've been spiritually frustrated before. I all the time. I've been spiritually frustrated. I you know, I've preached spiritually frustrated. Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. God had to convict me one time. God had to convict me, and I, I heard somebody's testimony, somebody who was going through the same thing, preaching all the time, just angry and frustrated. And then, and then, and God told this this, this man, this pastor, He said, "I didn't, I didn't call you to police people. I called you to pastor people. Amen. Holy Spirit will do the do the guiding. Holy Spirit will do the convicting." A lot of times we, pastors, we want to we give the word, right? Because it's a double-edged sword. That's all, that's all it needs. That's all we need. But we like to twist it. <laughs> Come on. Take it out. Do it again. I'm talking about Pastor Danny. You know what I'm talking about. We, f- we preach frustrated. Mm. I've led spiritually frustrated. And it's not good, man, because it's one step away from burnout. I feel for the people of their home who feel spiritually frustrated all the time on behalf of their family. Because you pray for your kids and they just don't get it. They're out there doing the very thing that you're praying against. You pray for your spouse and it seems like you're alone and you're always carrying the weight. And it's your faith that has to keep the family moving. It's your peace that has to overwhelm the chaos. I I don't know if you've ever been kayaking before, but if you plan to, never go with my family. <laughs> Melissa does great for about 30 seconds, and then she's like, whew, I need a break. <laughs> Layla will paddle the opposite way, and Ellie will just be there looking, looking cute. We went, we went kayaking, uh, kayaking a couple years ago, and man, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even fun. Like, the idea of it was fun, right? You had fun, yeah, you were just along for the ride. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes the members have fun at church if you're just along for the ride. Come on. If you're not if you're not if you're not ready to put in some work. That's that's what it feels like to be a spirit filled Christian. Sometimes it feels like you're you're on a sea of spiritual opposition and you're the only one paddling through it. That was Moses. He goes, God, I need some help. I need some release of uh, some relief. How am I going to feed all these people meat? Where are we going to get meat from? And you want me to do it? You want me to feed a nation of people? Me by myself. I don't even like them. They're complaining all the time. They're ungrateful. And you want me to go out and find meat to give to them. Moses was frustrated. And in these days, the Holy Spirit was still active. Okay, that's a question I get a lot. Was the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Yes, he's all over the Old Testament. The difference is that the Holy Spirit wasn't as active in the lives of people as he is today in the lives of the church. It's it's almost as if the Holy Spirit was more selective in the days of the Old Testament. The uh, the Spirit of God fell upon Samson. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came over David It entered Ezekiel. God told uh, Moses that Joshua was indwelt with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was all over the Old Testament, but the difference is... The spirit came upon certain men. And so for Moses, Moses was anointed for this. And so God chose him and put his spirit on Moses as as the the prophet, which meant work fell upon Moses. And so God uh, said, "Okay, Moses, I hear you. I hear your concern. Call 70 of the the elders of Israel. Gather them in the tent of meeting. And I'm going to put some of the spirit that is on you on them. That the weight would be lifted from you. God said they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself. Can I tell the whole church today that, that no one person was meant to carry the weight of the Lord's work alone. Pastors cannot and should not do the work alone. Youth pastors cannot and should not do the work alone. Andrea, as a women's leader, she cannot do the work alone. I'm always telling our leaders, man, find help. Get some help. Because the last thing I want from our leadership is, is burnout. I don't, want, I don't want you to come to me one day and say, pastor, I'm done. And then, and then the ministry is in shambles because there was no one else to help do the work. The worship leader, worship leader, you cannot, and this doesn't happen at noon, praise the Lord, but a worship leader cannot uh, carry the weight of a non-spirit-filled worship team. It takes the work of a spirit-filled church to do the work of the church. And sometimes it feels like we're still living in Old Testament times. where where we look for the anointed leader for the answers. We want the pastor to solve the problems. We want the pastor to to, to speak into my issues. We want the prophet to tell me what I got to do. We want the worship leader to lead me into worship because I can't do it by myself. We want the children's leader to instruct our children. What we have today, Moses longed for. Did you hear that? Moses was frustrated because he didn't have what we have today. And so he says, if only more people would prophesy the name of God. If only more people would step up against evil. If only more people uh, would would extend their arms and, and there were more feet for going and more mouths for proclaiming. He told Joshua, I wish the Lord would put his spirit on more people because it's a lot for one person. This this passage was read earlier. The Lord said through the prophet Joel, He said, In the last days, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Someone say, "All All flesh. I will pour out my spirit, not on just one person, not on just one pastor, not on just one prophet, not on just one teacher, but on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I want to stop there for a second. I want to teach a little bit on that word prophesy. Y'all still with me, right? All right. So Moses tells Joshua, would that more people would prophesy. I wish more people would prophesy, Joshua. He says, why are you jealous for me? Don't be jealous for me. I don't got it that good. I have to bear all of this weight upon my shoulders. Don't be jealous for me. You should, you should feel sad for me. <laughs> I wish more people would prophesy and God would put his spirit on them. And Joel says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. The prophet Samuel, he commented uh, um, during the days of Eli. He said, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Remember that? There wasn't a lot of prophets. There wasn't a lot of people speaking the name of God. There was, no, there was no vision. There was no revelation. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. The apostle Paul, he tells the Corinthians, more than speaking in tongues, I wish you would prophesy. There's something significant about this word prophesy. And, and we, as Pentecostals, kind of have a a narrow understanding of the word. When we think of prophesy, we think foretell. And that is a part of prophecy. But it's not all. The word prophet or prophecy in, in the Greek and Hebrew means to proclaim divine will. That's what it means. When you speak forth God's revelation, which includes the revelation we already have in his spoken word, you are prophesying. When you tell someone Jesus is returning, he wants your heart, he loves you, repent and be baptized, stop doing what you're doing, come to church with me because God loves you and he wants you in his kingdom, you are prophesying. The Greek word is is propheteo, which means to tell or proclaim. So in in the Old Testament, the revelation of God had not been made known to everyone. Right, The revelation was made available to a few men Who had to lead the assembly. This was Moses' frustration. I wish more people would know the God that I know. I wish more people would have an intimate relationship with him the way that I have. I wish more people would understand his will and his purpose. I wish more people would do the work that God requires. But Joel says, in the last days, you will have it. Because I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and young men will see visions. Even the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit. This means that the Holy Spirit doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile or slave or free or white or black or brown. There will be a day where the whole revelation of God is revealed to his people and the spirit will empower the people of God to prophesy prophesy we're living in the days of prophecy we're living in the days of prophecy where's the prophecy where's the prophetic word where's the prophet? and I'm not talking about I'm not just talking about behind the pulpit where is the prophetic word out there we're living in the days where the voices of the saints need to be raised, need to be heard. We need to fight against this evil culture and agenda. The work isn't over. We should apply uh, we should applaud, I'm sorry, the the early church for their courage in proclaiming the gospel. We should be grateful for them because they did it in a hostile environment and many of them were killed for their faith, but the work isn't done. We're not just here for the ride. We're not just here to wait for the return of Christ. There the church is still needed in the communities that they serve. It's still needed in the culture in which they live. People are still being sent, they're still being anointed. Until Christ returns, man, there is still work to be done. Jesus told his disciples, Just as the Father has sent me, I send you. And what did he do? He, he breathed upon them the Spirit. Take the Spirit. That, that means that, that where there is a commission, the Spirit has to go with you. Where there is an assignment, where there is work, you cannot do it by yourself. You need the helper, you need the counselor, you need the Holy Spirit. As long as there is work, there is a Holy Spirit that is active and alive and available. You hear me this morning? There's work, man. There's work. And and it's not the type of work just that just calls for spectators or members. We don't we don't, need, we don't need members. We don't need membership. We don't need church attendees. The work calls for a spirit filled church that is moved that is led, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. If only Moses had the power of the Holy Spirit-filled church. Man. He craved it. He longed for it. God, just kill me if you're not going to give me help. Your Spirit is all upon me and I'm grateful for it and I thank you and, and I'm, I'm humbled to be called your servant. But I can't do it by myself. Help three thousand years later, God sends the help to the church, and now we have a church that has all the help that it needs, but sometimes we take it for granted because we don 't have we, we have all the help we we, we think well there 's not work to do there's times where I get in in a I'll just, I'll say, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of make myself look a little embarrassed, but it's all right. It's all right. It's not that serious. Um, (laughs) There's always, you know, some some of the men of the church were always, they're always coming to me and like, hey, pastor, let's do a men's day of of work. Where we just, the men get together and we just work. And they're excited to do that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, man. They're going to see that I'm not really good with my hands and I'm just going to be there standing around. Right. <laughs> like, like, like when I used to work for my uncle and I would just go to the van and look look busy. Like, where's that? Where's that tool? Right. Don't even know the name of it. That's how we are in the church. We got all these people who know what they're doing. We got, we got the pastors. We got the leaders. We got the women's leader. We got the marriage uh, ministry leaders. Happy birthday, by the way, Sister Steph, Right? We got, we got all the help. I don't need to do anything. That's wrong. That's flawed. You're not just a spectator. You're not just a member. You're not just somebody who comes to receive. Because the Holy Spirit rests upon you as well. Man, what, what would Moses do? The power of the church at first I think he'd be overjoyed and overwhelmed with peace because now the work can be shared it could be evenly divided he doesn't have to bear the burden of being spiritually frustrated all the time but I don't know maybe he would still be frustrated because even though there's the power of the Holy Spirit how much of the church is still is actually doing the work how much of the church is still building golden calves when their leaders are not available Uh, Pastor, it's because no one called me. I was missing for a few weeks and I noticed you didn't call me. Nobody called me. So I just went back to my friends who appreciate me. I went back to my old ways because the leaders couldn't help me. I wasn't being fed. And I'm not I'm not excusing bad church leadership. Right. I mean, we do everything that we can to make sure that nobody is missed. And I know that you need to be a part of a church that is feeding you with the word. But understand this. The church isn't your savior. The church isn't the source of your power. The Holy Spirit is the power source to the church. And sometimes what's frustrating is is seeing a church that is powerless. We weren't meant to be powerless. We were not meant to be powerless. And if we ever get to a point where we are no longer being effective... We might as well just shut down the doors. Because that's not why the church is here. We're not, just church to be a, we're not just here to be a building. We are here to be an influence in this world. We're here to be light in the darkness. And please understand what, what, what I'm talking about. When I say power, I'm not just talking about miracles. Power uh, in the Greek is dunamai. It means ability. The church must be able... To lead people to Jesus, the the, the church must be able to teach sound doctrine. It must be able to pray. If the church is a hospital for the sick, that means that the church must be able to bring people to a place of healing. If the church is a place to find freedom, that means freedom should be happening. If the church is a place to tell the good news of its savior, that means that people should be getting saved. And to think that all of this only happens inside the temple is incorrect. The Spirit was poured upon the church so that the church would disperse and prophesy in places where Jesus was needed. I think one, one of the lies, and there's a lot of lies that the enemy tells, but I think one of the lies that he tells Pentecostals, he tries to convince Pentecostals that That the Holy Spirit power is only available on a Sunday morning when you're having church. Because if we believe it, we keep it confined. If we believe that, then the only ones that are experiencing the power are those who already possess it. I'm telling you, church, the, the Holy Spirit has poured himself upon us in a way that gives us power when you're at work power when you're at school, when you're at home when you're in the hospital praying for somebody who needs healing when you're in the car having a conversation with somebody that needs Jesus when you're at school, wherever it is because, because wherever the, power, the, the church is the Holy Spirit is Moses uttered these words 3,000 3, years ago and I think they still hold true today oh, that all the Lord's people would prophesy what's the difference though? What's the difference? The Holy Spirit has rested upon us. We are without excuse. We are without excuse, church. Now the worship team come up. Church, Jesus isn't looking for a church. You hearing me? Let let me get your attention for the last five minutes. Jesus isn't looking for a church that is crazy on Sundays and silent Monday through Saturday. I, I, I love that we get crazy, man. I love that we, that we worship hard. We, we're some hard worshipers, man. We, get, we, we, we sing at the top of our lungs and, and we shout and we, 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 we cry And our nights of worship are something else. And, but if we can't bring that power with us outside where there is a hurting world, we, we, we've missed the point. I remember growing up, you know, in a Pentecostal environment. Pa- Pastor Danny kind of touched on this as well, kind of with his perspective this morning. You know, we're both PKs. We both grew up in, in the Pentecostal tradition. Um, and so I remember growing up as a, as, a, as a young little Pentecostal kid, always craving an experience with the Holy Spirit. I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, man, plenty of times I received an experience. I, uh, I, re- I still remember... At a very early age, my cousin being, being slain in the spirit, I'm probably like eight years old. And I was like, man, I, I want that. I want it. And so I, I, I very strategically placed my feet like this, made sure that I was good back there. I prayed. And then as soon as someone touched me, I fell perfectly positioned next to him. There, I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. I think that was me manufacturing something. But the point was... I craved an experience with the Holy Spirit. I craved a moment with the Holy Spirit. I wanted it. I wanted that power because I knew it was available. And if it was available, I wanted it. And as I matured in my faith, I learned how to discern between emotion and spirit. But I I will tell you this. When you seek, listen, when you seek the Holy Spirit's dwelling, he will fall upon you. I want you to stand with me. I'm getting ready to wrap up. But I, I want... I want you to get this, when when you seek the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, seek and you shall find, seek and you shall find, seek and you shall find, that's a promise, sometimes it takes a moment, sometimes we have to make it past the the distractions and, and and the hunger and and the wanting to get out of church so that we can go eat and so that we can talk to so and so we have to kind of get past we have to we have to seek we have to search and when you seek the holy spirit will descend upon you i i have been broken in god's presence man i have been broken in god's presence so many times and i cry in a way that i i didn't even think i could cry humbled the Spirit filled, restored. We've all, we've all had an experience with the Holy Spirit. But can I just tell you this morning, this isn't just about an experience. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit is not an attraction. He's not an attraction. See, many people, they would, they would come to Jesus in, in, in a come and see type of fashion. Let's see what he can do. We've heard of all the wonders and all the miracles and all the signs that Jesus does. Let's, let's come and see. Let's experience the moment. And then even after Jesus left and he left the apostles with the power of the Holy Spirit, many would come to see the work of the Holy Spirit. But it was never about it was never about an experience with the Holy Spirit. It was about a filling of the Holy Spirit. It was about a baptism of the Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit carries the same symbolism of of water baptism. It means to be immersed. You surrender everything to the power of Christ in the same way you surrender everything to the power of the Holy Spirit when you are baptized in the Spirit and He takes over even down to your very lips what it means to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit this isn't about an experience because you can have a good experience in here and walk out the very same but when you're baptized when you're emerged, you go in dead to yourself and you come out a different person that's that's what God desires that's what the Spirit of God desires, that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to take over to give power, because the work is great, and the work isn't finished, and there's going to be times where the Holy Spirit prompts you to speak gospel to somebody right next to you who needs it and when you surrender to the Spirit you say, God, I don't even have the words but you do, you have the revelation." And I am just your vessel. I'm going to stop overthinking. I'm going to stop getting in your way. I'm going to let you do what you want to do. Holy Spirit, fill the church this morning. Baptize us in your spirit, my God. So that we would walk here just a little bit differently. outside of the church they say okay God now what now what do you want me to do now where do you want me to go now what do you want me to speak because the work isn't done it's just beginning and there I was filled out here is where I disperse the power that is in me that's what the world needs that's what the world needs I want to make it an invitation to these altars not for an experience not for a moment this isn't about us this isn't about us this isn't about us this isn't about Numa Church it's about what the Holy Spirit wants to do wants to do the work. That person is willing. And he will not leave you unequipped. He will send his spirit to give you power. So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to invite you. I want to invite you to say, Holy Spirit, rest on me. Rest on me. That I may prophesy your word. That I may proclaim your word. That I may pray over those who need prayer, my God that I may not be ashamed of the gospel, that I may bring a boldness, my God, when I'm talking to my family, when I'm talking to my friends, my God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would equip me for every work that you want to do in my household, in my workplace, my God, in my school, in my city, Father. I am willing. If that's you this morning, just come forward. Come forward. I'm going to make this call one time and one time only. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on NUMA Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.